Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about pinatas. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Micah Silver, and I'm a child care provider, and I use they, them pronouns. And today is the seventh installment of our As Told by Ginger series. We're covering episodes 11 through 15 of season two. You should follow along because these are great. I'm sorry if the schedule is a little weird. I know we missed Elizabethtown last week because of the move. It probably just isn't going to happen because also that movie's not great. <laughs> Frankly. <laughs> don't really want to watch it. Don't super want to watch it if we don't have to. So I think we're just going to move along on past Cameron Crowe and on to Catherine Hardwick, who's our next director. And it's going to be a rocky one. Buckle up, pals. As 13 is next week. And then the next one after that is Twilight. Twilight. So it should be an interesting month of April and May. So if you haven't watched these episodes, we're going to give you the quick plot rundown. In episode 11, fearing that her mother is lonely, Ginger places an ad for a, a personal ad for Lois and ends up meeting the worst man and his worst children ever. In episode 12, both Dodie and Ginger have a crush on the new kid, Joaquin, and they have to figure out the best way to move forward. In episode 13, both Macy and Mitzi are turning 13, and we deal with what it's like to be a teenager and to try and have your parents see you as a grown child. In episode 14, a new girl comes to school and is not welcomed with open arms. So Ginger, Dodie, and Macy try to welcome her into their circle. And in episode 15, Ginger joins the band in order to go see her crush who goes to another school, only to get there and find out that he doesn't share her feelings. You can follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. You can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Anthro267. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, thank you and enjoy. Now that we have moved, there is the prospect of like dating in a new city because like being a queer person is sort of a bit like dating in a fish pond right right it's just like well you can only date so much and then you've kind of dated all the people or you've dated like everyone's exes everyone's exes enough that you know the other people and right. you know that you don't want to date them right so then when you switch cities it's like ooh, i have another tiny pond to fish dry right <laughs> plus like Seattle is like very elitist. Up its own ass. Yes. <laughs> Word is smarter. <laughs> the queer community is especially feels like you're playing a whole different game. Yeah. Depending on like, it's really hard to move through the queer scene. It felt like yeah, in Seattle. Definitely. And like, I'm Midwest hot. Like, <laughs> I. That's true. I am going to clean up. Not West up, Coast hot, but. Uh, but. Midwest, Midwest hot. hot for sure and so having that confidence boost is real nice again <laughs> yeah plus well, and the, 
people have actually messaged me on Tinder when they match me now. Right. I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, everybody's not so fucking passive and, like, terrified of actually interacting with one another. It's actually really refreshing. Right. (laughs) But at least also, like, we get to do it in the era of the internet where, like, meeting people is... A dream like as an autistic person it seems like a nightmare to me to have dated in the time before you could just like list all the things about you and see if somebody likes any of those things you know you have to do so much guesswork and put so much on the line and to get disappointed so exactly for so little like return so much of the time it just seems wild. And then, yeah, as we're reminded in this episode where, like, Lois is, like, trying to date, kind of, or Ginger is trying to force her to date. And, again, it's like every time we talk about the world of dating before internet dating, I'm just, like, continually shocked that the human species perpetuated itself at all. <laughs> no wonder we were so scared of serial killers. Right? You had there to were- just, like, meet strangers who answered a 50-word ad in the back of a paper or whatever. Yikes. Yikes. Like, and, like, you, we see the, like, caliber of person that attracts in, like, all of the responses Ginger gets for Lois's ad, and it is not not pleasant. Like, and I mean, I get it's also kind of, like, I think it's kind of a joke on, like, you know, the idea of internet dating, which... I don't know. It kind of feels like there was this wave in the early 2000s, like the early days of the internet. Well, maybe it's earlier than that, too, because I feel like this strand is in singles in the early 90s. But like where the sort of idea of non-in-person dating was like becoming more mainstream. Right. But it hadn't mainstreamed to the level where it was not ridiculous yet. Right. You know how like stuff has to kind of reach like, like even YouTube in the early days, people were like, what is some fucking joke website for watching cats fall off of things. Right. Until it wasn't good old days until it wasn't right. And then I feel like, you know, sort of non in person internet dating, like personal ad dating. There was kind of this thing where we recognized that, it was a thing and it was probably going to be more and more of a thing. But as a culture, we just were like too uncomfortable with it. Yeah. To not make fun of it a little bit. We had to. I mean, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Sort it of, is a weird concept. It totally is. And like if you went back in time and told people about it, they'd probably be like, what the fuck? Why would you want to meet people like that? You don't even know, you know? Right. Like what is even? Yeah. It's. Dating is weird. Dating is weird and we don't have kids. Dating with kids seems... Yeah, dating with kids seems like kind of a nightmare. I mean, It's hard enough to date with dogs. Right. Be like, I'm sorry, they're just like this. I'm sorry that they're monsters. I've done my best. I feel like you would have a little bit more insight to this, but also like having your parents date must be... It's weird. Weird. Yeah, for sure. And like... Especially when your parents, like, I think it would be different if you had lost a parent. Right. But, like, my parents were divorced, and I still had a relatively good relationship with both of them. 
but they didn't have a good relationship with each other. So it was this weird, it's this weird thing where like you want to be happy for your parent. Right. Right. But also, you know, you can't share it with the other parent or you should be able to in a healthy relationship probably, but I couldn't. Right. And also it does feel bad, right? Because it's like you understand that they're not replacing your real parent, but like it still feels weird. I can imagine. Because there's... As much as they try, like, step-parents and, like, people dating people with kids, as much as they might try not to be your parent, like, there is still always some kind of, like, parental responsibility, even if it's just, like, cast off from your your actual parent. And it, it never doesn't feel weird. Like, you know, my parents have both dated a lot since they got divorced and never one time was I ever like, yeah, this feels super cool and I feel great about this person. But that also might have something to do with the people that my parents pick because they're toxic. That's also fair. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing your relationship with your parents and who your parents are, I have a feeling I know the answer. Mm -hmm. But like, were you ever like Ginger and like trying to set your parents up with people or was it? No, just, not at all. I didn't think so. If anything, I would do the opposite where my parents would meet someone and I would be like, no, no, this person is trash. You can't see it yet, but I can see that this person is trash. So I'm going to make myself and this whole situation as obnoxious as possible to get this person the fuck out of here, which is way easier, I'll say. Right. <laughs> like I can being imagine. Being a chaos agent is way is always way easier than like building things. Because yeah, my parents probably don't make the best romantic decisions for themselves, I would right. say. Because, you know, whatever. But also I never really had the kind of like powerful, positive relationship with my right. parents that Ginger has that would motivate me to like want to see them happy. Right. Like I've never really f- <laughs> this is gonna sound callous, but whatever if you know my childhood at all it's not like i have never felt motivated to try and make my parents happy yeah because that is like a sisyphean to try and make my parents happy so i just gave up very very early (laughs) that's fair that's very fair i remember being kind of relationship obsessed Mm -hmm. at that age of like middle school seventh eighth grade of like you know everyone's talking about dating and i like can see where ginger like especially with all the talk show tv she was watching totally, of like yeah. not wanting her mom to get stuck in this lonesome state because totally also i've definitely felt that especially for my dad because yeah. he's always had trouble with relationships i have definitely felt that like you know i wish for him not to be lonely right but yeah ginger is a way better person than i ever was for actually doing (laughs) something about it i find it really interesting how much ginger is willing to overlook to keep her mom in a relationship because of the fear of her being so alone and i think that has a lot to do with like how much we fear monger singleness which is really interesting. Because Lois seems like a person who is happy being yes. alone. Yeah, she seems pretty content with her life. And like, y- you don't need right. somebody else exactly. to complete you. Yeah. You know, you can have a fulfilling life without a romantic relationship. Totally. 
And we don't ever talk about that as a society because romance and sex are the same thing. Yeah, yeah. We definitely have a weird concept of, like, romantic love and, like, lack of it. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, we run into this kind of pressure on this show all the time, right? Where, like, one way or another, someone feels like they are, like, missing out or incomplete if they don't have a romantic partner, which... Like, I don't, yeah, I don't think is real. No, but like, I remember feeling that way as a teenager. Totally. I remember. It's hard not to. Right? And I remember it because like, it's preached to us and like, we're sold this, you are incomplete until you find the perfect someone. Yeah. Which like, as a whole dating culture is so toxic and puts so much pressure on your partner to be something that they might not be able to be. Right. And also, like, this man in particular, I didn't write down his name. Buzz. Buzz is fucking terrible. I hate him so much. Like, definitely I remember my parents dating this kind of person who was just, like, not really good for anything, but was just, like, kind of fun. And also who had this just wild passel of kids who like made all the fucking decisions that make that shit makes me crazy like i'm as opposed to like authoritarian parenting as anyone could possibly be but like kids cannot you can't parent by consensus no you can't let your kids vote on what you're doing you know unless it's like hey where do we want to go to lunch today no their voice you you can give them like hear their opinions but you can't just be like so what do we want to do today? Because they're just going to vote to like go to the zoo or, you know, play paintball like they do in here every single time. Which like, you know, to an extent, it is good to listen to your kids' voices sure. and listen to their opinions and let them have some choices. But you can't let them dictate every no, moment of their lives because they won't a, make good informed decisions. They won't make good informed decisions. And then you are, again, avoiding your responsibilities as a parent exactly. because you aren't parenting. You're just there to have the ID and pay the bills. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're just there to be like a bigger kid who can handle all the stuff. Right. Which like sets an unreasonable expectation for what being an adult is which is like a lot of times you got to do a lot of boring shit that you're not really into so that you can do the other stuff or you know with other fun stuff interspersed in between or whatever whatever the cool parent is never the cool parent right like the fun divorced dad who lets you do anything and is always trying to one-up the other parent It's not your favorite parent. No, my dad, I mean, my dad did that when my parents got divorced the first time. He was like, cool, dad, let me do whatever I wanted. I literally just, we've talked about this before. I just went to the movies and the zoo all the time. Because like, also I was like eight. Those are the only things I knew. Right. And then later when my parents got proper divorced and an attorney asked me who I wanted to live with, I cited that as the reason I didn't want to live with my dad. I was like, he's fun, but like... I have no purpose, no goals. There's no structure when I live with him. If I were to live with him all the time, I would just be on my own to raise myself and get screamed at when my homework wasn't done. At least my mom, for all her, like, insanity, did some, you know, imposed some things. Was some kind of parent. Right, exactly. An abusive parent. 
but some kind of parent nonetheless. <laughs> I also think this whole trope of like men thinking they're the only ones capable of doing any kind of like physical or manual task is just a way for men to justify not bringing anything to a relationship. Right. Cause it's like he tried, he's like, Oh, I have to let me do this. I can, fi-. it's like, Lois is perfectly capable and she's been a perfectly capable single woman for a long time. She doesn't fucking need you. Lois is a single mother who raised Carl. <laughs> yeah. She, she knows she, she doesn't, doesn't need, need you, you to do shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And she also doesn't need four more Carls in the house. No. To just, you know, Carl it up all the time so that she can do even more cleaning and, and cooking for everyone. Than she was already doing too much of for her own kids. Plus, Buzz says the thing that makes my blood boil and like makes me go into any kind of feminist rant anytime on a drop of a hat. Uh, boys will be boys, and you can't do anything about it. Oh, boys will be boys. Boys will be held accountable for their actions, just like everyone else. Right. Like, how hard is that to understand? Like, I mean, we've said this once. We've said it a million times. Boys don't mature slower than girls. We just hold them less responsible. Yeah. Boys get a hall pass until they're 25. Yeah. Also, and then that doesn't benefit them because they have no learning experience. Right. And then they're thrown into the world and are expected to understand how it works with no context. Right, right. When they've never had any sort of consequences for anything in their entire life. Which, like, high-key, I think, is why a lot of kids, a lot of boys and men, like, get to college and they have, like, some real resistance and no parent support for the first time in their life. And they're, like, they drop out and they get mad at college for actually holding them responsible. Right. Rather than looking at maybe themselves or their childhood for, like, maybe it's not, like the college's fault maybe it's that your parents and the education system didn't actually prepare you to be an adult but i've never done anything wrong in my life right and now someone is actually telling me that i'm doing something wrong and i can't handle it and you haven't learned the resilience of being told no and being able to move past it and understand how to move through the world in a better way and understand limitations so you are blowing up like a child because that is your first experience with it. Right, yeah. He says it like 17 times in the episode and by the end I just wanted to like yeah, rip his hair out. It was maddening. I have a note in here and I don't remember how it came up but I stand behind it so it needs to be said. If a man ever says he won't take no for an answer... 100% that man is going to hit you. Oh, run away. Like, run. no chance at some point, given a long enough timeline, that man will hit you. Anytime someone will say, I won't take no for an answer, is just someone who's going to ignore your boundaries. Right, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And I think the sort of classic toxic masculine dating trope of like pursuing a woman until you wear annoying her down, her down. Oh. is just a, an object lesson in like ignoring people's boundaries to your own gain you know yeah 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 it's fucked up it's a big red flag and, and somebody I, somebody pointed out on tiktok that it's like it's very much like a capitalist mind frame oh absolutely of like 
women being like a consumable and especially if you look at it as like sort of capitalist labor exploitation like you have to push your workers like boundaries and ask more out of them than you know that they will give because that is how like capitalism works essentially what i'm saying is men are business owners and they're extorting women for emotional profit yeah fuck <laughs> it all comes back to capitalism baby <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I understand why we don't have more listeners. <laughs> I love this podcast. Not what I, I meant, love doing but yeah. this more than anything. I understand why more people don't listen to this show. It's a real bummer. <laughs> it's a real bummer. <laughs> Although like a real bummer might as well be like the my LinkedIn bio, like <laughs> Alexa Ray Hack, real bummer. In fact, I think it is my bio on TikTok. <laughs> I think it is Alexa Ray Hack, comedian, storyteller, real bummer. <laughs> it's definitely going to be the name of your memoir. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Fuck. Of course it's a capitalist. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> There's only one other thing I want to talk about from this episode, which is Buzz calls his wallet a billfold. Yes, he does. Is that just like an old man thing or is that a country thing? Because my dad also and like his family also call it a billfold. So I was wondering if it's like a regionalism or if it's like an age indicator, because I would never call a wallet a billfold. It seems crazy to me, especially because my wallet doesn't fold my bills. I think it's a mix. I think it is. It, it's an old regionalism that is stuck around because of the, how generations are and yeah. because people are still alive. But because like I have only heard it in like more rural spaces yeah. or... But also in more rural places, like dialect tends to change more slowly. Right. I was going to say, or if I've heard it referred to in a more urban setting, it's been by someone who's like real old. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Billfold. And it, language, the way language changes is interesting. Yeah, because it's like, it's that's what I love about it. Because it's happening all the time and you don't right. even think about it. And as like a native speaker of a language, you just pick up on the way stuff means different things without even thinking about it. You just incorporate right. new stuff into your lexicon and you don't ever think about, with maybe a few exceptions, like you don't ever think about, am I using this correctly? Right. You know, you just use it. Because human brains are just like wired for language that way. Right. It's really interesting. So then. Episode 12. Episode 12 is they get a transfer student whose name. I also didn't write his name down. I want to say it's like Joaquin. Yeah. Something like that. And of course, Dodie is like immediately in love with him, even though <laughs> she hasn't spoken two words to him. I can tell this is, a, I was literally, I have in my notes, I bet this is a thing Micah did 
in middle school, and I can see from your face that I fucking nailed you. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just new students. Like, looking back on it, it's definitely like I would hyper fixate on someone, totally. and it wasn't like actual crushes. Yeah. But, you know, like, very much like Jody, like, I wanted to know everything about them and everything they did was perfect you know like it was bad it was one seeing people like that is so bad because then you don't see them as a full human being which is awful exactly and two you set yourself up for such heartbreak right because there's no way for you to not be disappointed like even in the best case scenario where that other person is every bit as smitten with you as you are with them, they're still going to turn out to be like a human being with flaws who fucking farts sometimes. Right, exactly. They're never going to be the thing that you've imagined them to be. But like I have this for a note for an episode later on, but it totally is a good thing to drop here. Like I think adolescence is the time where you, like a lot of what you know about love and relationships is kind of like, myth and folklore absolutely because you don't have a lot of experience and even the amount that your parents have given you to whatever extent that has happened is like a pretty high level like sort of ten thousand foot view of what dating and relationships are like right this happens in the last episode episode 15 where i think it's Dodie. i can never keep their names straight says with boys it's out of sight out of mind like I just feel like there's a lot of these things where, you know, someone just gets an idea from a movie or somebody makes something up or Mm -hmm. whatever. And it just sort of perpetuates because there's nobody, nobody to say anything about it because no one knows any different. Right. So this stuff kind of just like echoes around and becomes kind of mythic, which I feel like is where you get into this problem, right? Where you sort of mythicize relationships to where they're not you know they're not real things they're you know like giant caricatures that maybe resemble real things no absolutely I definitely like my early concepts of relationship stories were fairy tales like totally that you know like I remember having these like fantasies of things working out just right you know of like uh the opposite of the anxiety text of everything's gonna go wrong of like how everything could go right right you know you would be perfect together like you make up all the coincidences that are there so that things work out and looking back on them they were definitely very much caricatures of what a real relationship looks like and that took me a long time to figure out because it's not some because as we said before we don't really teach our kids how to have relationships and how to have healthy relationships Yeah. yeah so when your whole culture and concept around relationships are built off of literal fairy tales and you know manipulations figuring out how to have a healthy relationship on your own is terrifying. Yeah. Which like, I mean, I kind of is like a big motivation for me to do this show. Right. Is like, it feels like it's impossible. I definitely took a lot of toxic messages from media when I was a kid and I feel like it's impossible not to. And it it definitely feels like 
there is a necessity for people like us to talk about how, like, you know, how unhelpful and toxic that stuff can be. Absolutely. Especially because it is so narrow, you know, it doesn't encompass a wide range of lived experiences from disabled people or queer people or right. asexual people or whatever. And it limits the type of relationships that we can build and be fulfilled by. Yeah. Like platonic relationships are taken for granted hand over hand. Like we don't talk about how painful friend breakups are. We don't talk about how, you know, to set healthier boundaries with our friends and to be able to keep that balance of being able to be supportive, but not overwhelming them. We don't talk about how, you know, it is important to have those platonic relationships outside of your romantic relationships. Totally. And it's really frustrating it was a really frustrating process to realize I had let myself not put in the work and effort into relationships that would have benefited me much greater than the ones that I did. Right. Right. Because I thought one was more important than the other. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like if I could go back to my teenagehood, the one of the main things I would do over would be to prioritize my platonic relationships. Absolutely. Ones. Because I made some fucking stupid decisions for some people that like don't really care, never really cared about. I mean, maybe like, but that like that relationship was never going to last the test of time. Right. And the friendship might have. Right. But we all make decisions and like, Sometimes they're part of growing is making those bad decisions and learning from the experience, unfortunately, or, you know, have parents who talk to you about this shit. Right. Exactly. Which feels like, yeah, it definitely feels like in 20 years we won't need this podcast (laughs) because that's the hope. Maybe people will just like be good parents and talk to their kids. But I mean, I don't know. As long as straight people are having kids, there are going to be fucked up kids. Yeah. Right. There's a scene where two of the girls, I think, both have a crush on... Yeah, both Ginger and Dodie have a crush. A a crush on the new transfer student. And the only thing I wanted to say was, I mean, maybe this is my autism showing, but like, I think Community actually did this right. They had the same arc where Troy and Abed both have a crush on the same girl. And they literally just both walk up to her and they're like... We both are romantically interested in you. Are you interested in either of us at all? If not, that's fine. We just don't want this to be a thing in our friendship or in our relationship with you. Like, that seems like the ideal way to handle this situation. Because, like, it. otherwise it feels like you get into all this weird, like, sneaking around and backstabbing that is totally agnostic of the feelings of the person who's actually being pursued, right? right? It's like, if you work it out between the two of you, you don't actually know what that other person's feelings are, and they're the person whose feelings are actually important yeah. if this relationship is going to move forward. I think also that Ginger did it really well, and like what she did by telling Joaquin, like, I'm sorry, as much as I am attracted to you and as much as I want this, my friendship is more important to me, is totally. huge. Totally. Is so huge. Yeah. 
And I think is another, especially for a children's show, is such a great way to, like, put strength into those platonic relationships. Totally. Which I really appreciate. But, yeah, I think Community did a really good job of just being, like, we're both interested in you. Are you interested in either of us? Yeah. And, like letting that person have some agency over their own dating life. Right, exactly. Like, the more you can give the people in your dating life agency, the better. Oh, absolutely. I feel like we've spent too much of dating culture focused on, like, tricking the other person into doing what you want them to do rather than just, like, leveling with them and compromising. Right, like, talk to the people you're interested in. Let them know you're interested in them. It's you, that simple. If you trick them into dating you, why would you want to base a relationship off of right. a trick? It's just going to go badly eventually when the trick, you know, like when the trick stops working or right. whatever. Yeah. Episode 13 is Macy's 13th birthday and also Courtney's 13th birthday. No, Mitzi's. Oh. Courtney just throws Mitzi. the party. Oh, oh, right. I have a lot of feelings about this episode. Yeah, I do too. So you start. Your children grow up and are not perpetually four years old. Like, yeah, this is one we're really hitting against a lot recently, huh? Yeah. Children are not there to just be tiny little babies for you to play with no matter what's going on in your life. They are, they grow and are, you know, older and have their own agency and their own ability to do things. And I would think, I mean, to me, one of the most attractive things about raising kids is the opportunity to let them be adults and see what kind of adult person my child could be without, you know, my active hand in their existence. Like that seems like the best part of it for me is like, wow, I created that human being and now they have ideas that are totally different from mine. Isn't that fucking cool? But apparently that is not the general consensus I am finding. Treat your kids like they're human beings. Wild babies. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is really detrimental to your child's to not let them grow up. And to not let them take care of themselves and learn how to move through the world as an adult human being and as an older adult human being. Because it stunts your child's ability to perceive themselves as an adult. Exactly. Right? Like, if you are perpetually infantilizing your child, it's impossible for your child to not project that image that you have onto themselves even subconsciously and you're just going to make your child feel like they are always going to be a baby and they always have to get your input and your help on everything which like i mean maybe if you're like a toxic parent who can't handle the idea of your child not needing you every second of their life like that's the ideal but that's first of all is fucked up and second of all seems like way more work right isn't like part of the appeal of being a parent that at some point you get to disengage not entirely not that you get to stop being a parent right once they turn 18 no No, but at some point they become adults and they don't need you as much they become independent and they become independent and then you get to start kind of 
living your own life again where you don't have to hold your kid's hand all the time. That seems like part of the deal. Right. Like you were a child once. Did you want your parents around all the fucking time? To hold your hand and tell you how to do everything and second guess every decision that you made? No, you want to figure out who the fuck you are and how you move through the world. And you want to be able to take care of yourself. Yeah. I have complicated feelings about like chores and allowances mostly uh-huh. um, because we don't do need to too. Yeah. we don't need to teach children how to participate in capitalism from an early age. Totally. But I think it's important that kids, especially as they get older, have the ability and are required to learn what it takes to keep a household together. Totally. And need to be able to learn how to do laundry, how to do dishes, how right. to participate. How to pay bills. How to pay bills. How to and, balance. I mean, this isn't really a thing anymore, but like how to keep track of your bills and balance a checkbook, so to speak. And how like, to keep an eye on the state of your house in case you need repairs. Right. You know, stuff like that. Because moving into your first apartment and not knowing shit it's is terrifying. terrifying. Right. And you are just setting your child up for failure. Yeah. Which, like, why? And especially in in a world where a lot of kids do get taught that stuff, right? Like, it's going to make your child feel like a useless idiot that they don't know how to cook for themselves or clean for themselves or know when a sink is broken or, you know, whatever, whatever. Right. Or if they don't feel like it, they're going to feel like it when someone calls them out for it. Right. Exactly. Because they are going to run into someone who's going to like, call them Come out on, for How it. do you not know how to do laundry? Right. What do you mean you've never washed dishes before? But yeah, I mean, like in this context, right, it's because Macy's parents just like fully forgot about her birthday. birthday. Ouch. I mean, I wrote in my notes, yeah, this is about when my parents stopped throwing me birthday parties. <laughs> but then I went, oh, that's just a my sad childhood thing and not like a universal thing. <laughs> we need like a sound sting on this show for like when we accidentally hit a nugget of trauma from my childhood that I <laughs> did not. Yeah, I. Oh, boy. Like, I haven't had my parents forget my birthday, but I've definitely had, like, friends forget my birthday, and it hurts. Definitely. Because it's, like, the one day that's supposed to be about you. Yeah. It's it's tough when, like, yeah, this is the one day that's supposed to be about me. Let's all, let's all, for once, I can be comfortable with everyone talking about how great I am. Oh, literally no one wants to do that? Yeah, I'll just die. It's fine. I can just die. Yeah. (laughs) In a later episode, Higsby invites Carl and Hoodsy to his birthday party Mm -hmm. and reveals to them like the trash can full of invites that he handed out. Right, right. Yeah. And like only had two people show up that I related to that. I wrote the exact same thing. Oh, God. In exactly this situation. And it is gut wrenching. It's horrible. Like no one could just hang out with me for two hours for two you two hours like there'd be free food and cake and i can't even encourage five people to hang out with me for two hours in exchange for free food and cake like ouch ouch Oof. yikes <laughs> talk about an ego blow yeah that's tough it's always tough yeah I, yeah it's the worst devastating and again <laughs> 
fucking podcast from a couple of goddamn dorks. Right. Exactly. (laughs) We would relate to the like, yeah, of course nobody comes to your birthday parties. You're a fucking loser. Why would anybody come to your birthday party? (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But yeah, Macy's parents, like, getting her a swing set for... Yeah, right? And taking her to, like, the like the play place or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, pretty like, gross. Yeah, I understand, what, like, going along with it because it's a, they're paying attention to you for once. Right. I mean, I probably would have done this. Right? Thing. I'm like, mm, I, f- I feel you, Macy. But, like, yeah, don't... Don't starve your child of attention like that. Right, like, right. what the fuck? You should not, your child should not have to schedule an appointment 10 weeks out to see you. To see you. Yeah, I know. Especially from a pair of therapists. Like, God damn it. Right? You should know better. Like, especially if you're like a couple's therapists, like, it feels like you should know better how to maintain your relationship with your child. But maybe it's one of those, like physician heal thyself situations you know yeah probably i also this is just like a dumb thing but i think it's one of macy's parties has that she has a pinata yeah and i truly i remember a pinata being like one of the highlights of my adolescent existence they're bomb <clears throat> like you would see that pinata hanging in the tree and you're like okay whatever fucking happens this house could burn down this afternoon i am gonna beat that paper mache donkey with a fucking bat if it kills me (laughs) and i just feel like i could use more opportunities in my adult life to beat paper mache donkeys with a bat you know yeah like i want to make adult pinatas and just fill them with like fucking scratch off tickets and airline bottles and joints and whatever exactly (gasps) whoever's birthday's next we're having an adult pinata adult pinata you just have to make sure they're not glass airplane bottles right they have to be plastic because yeah we will smash them (laughs) over the place but oh my god uh, yeah, I feel like adults need... I a- think adults need pinatas way more than kids do. Yeah. I don't think kids need to be encouraged to use violence to solve their problems. I do think adults should be allowed to break things. Right. Like, isn't that a trend now where you can go to places and smash, and smash plates? stuff. Like, I feel like if we had adult pinatas, we wouldn't have to go to a place to smash up a fax machine. You know, because... God, that sounds satisfying, though. <laughs> Doesn't it? I think I'm just thinking of the scene from Office Space. But same thing. I'm thinking same of thing. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah. It's basically the same scene. Yeah. The B story of this episode is really cute and I think puts a lot of character into Carl that we haven't seen before. Oh, I don't have any notes on that. What's the B story? The B episode? story is the elementary school is at the zoo and they meet the naked mole rat. Oh, right. And... Carl gets freaked out by it. Uh huh. Uh huh. And like, yeah, it's weak because like it's one of the few times you ever see Carl like really like spooked by yeah. something. And I, well, I think it was really, it gave him a little bit of a softer edge than we're like, and more depth than we've really seen from him. Totally. Of like seeing this arc of I'm scared, but I gotta protect this thing and I gotta find it again. Yeah. And realize, you know, empathizing and realizing, oh, it's also scared. And yeah, it's really interesting. I really like this Carl character, like, because you, there's so many opportunities where he could just be 
like a punchline about like how gross little brothers can be, right. which like as a former little brother, I can relate to how gross little brothers can be. You're um, disgusting. <laughs> but I really like that at every opportunity, and maybe it's just because I sort of see myself in Carl a little bit, but like at, at so many opportunities, they take the, uh, the opportunity to like give him real like empathy and character. Yeah. Like, a lot of the time when we see Carl's motivations, it's really just like caring and empathy with a lot of boredom stacked right. on top, right? Yeah, I really appreciate the writing of this show because like every B character has depth. Yeah. Like there is not a single flat character. Even with no. Miranda, you have layers of yeah. knowing her backstory and knowing the pressure she's under. Right, like in the band episode, the episode 15... We learn even more about like the right. high expectations that her family has of her where she has to do band and then she does this military school thing in the summer. And like even though we've never really met Miranda's family and we don't really know anything about her except as Courtney's best friend. Right. She still has all of this depth, which like I, I don't know. I think. We're going to be spoiled after this show oh, trying to find another show with as much character depth and as much to say about like the process of going through adolescence as this show does. But I'm glad that's why we're doing it first. Yeah. So then episode 14, there's another new student plot line, but it's a goth girl this time whose dad owns a mortuary. Um, and who brings a, a skull <laughs> to class. I want to be best which, friends with this girl. I, yeah, exactly. Like, I definitely would be best friends with this girl. But it is a real move to, like, wear all black and then bring out a plastic skull to put on your desk on your first day. That's uh, it's a move. It's a move. It's a capital M move. And like, I respect it. I totally, but absolutely respect it. I would have ridiculed it. I'm not gonna lie to you. No, I <laughs> wish. I would have talked shit. I would have secretly wanted to be your best friend, but oh, I would yeah. have been absolutely terrified to talk to you. Oh yeah, for sure. But I think again, we have some really great character growth of like Ginger trying to be the bigger person and admitting that she struggles and like being a little bit freaked out about trying to make friends with Lucretia and like having like you know being picked up and her scaring her which like valid right but like all the while she is honest with her about like hey I I'm sorry I fell for this gossip and like I'm sorry I got freaked out but, like, at least she's transparent, which right. is amazing. Which, yeah, you have, like, again, a great example of, like, talking about your feelings and being honest with your friends and building relationships on honesty Yeah, is incredible. Yeah. And more difficult, I think, than we give it credit for. Oh, it's so hard. It's... And to have a, you know, like, 12, 13-year-old do it is incredible. Yeah. Like, I struggle with this as an adult right. in the 30s. Like... <laughs> I super wanted to talk about in this episode and it's kind of a fleeting point. I wish kind of wish they'd brought it up more, but Darren has obviously been reading some theory. Oh my god, yes he has. <laughs> Cuz he says something like, you know, the the dominant culture can't abide 
us because we don't conform and our whole existence threatens them threatens them and i was was like like, oh shit darren's doing the podcast for me now i don't even i'm just gonna quote you i don't even need to say anything what he said yeah darren's been reading some theory (laughs) darren gets hotter like i'm sorry that i have i'm saying this about a 13 year old uh cartoon but like in the eyes of a 13 year old girl like Darren is getting just like exponentially oh, hotter. Oh, absolutely. Like the the braces thing and now he's reading theory and that's I mean for me that's Ooh, that's up there. Right? Please buy me a drink and talk feminist theory. <laughs> yeah, oh, please. That would be so fun. <laughs> Perfect first date. The only other thing was like the girls uh specifically like Ginger reaches out to Lucretia, mm-hmm. the new girl to try and like include her and stuff and you know explicitly says like you probably don't have a lot of friends yet maybe you want to right you know be friends with us like we've talked about this before i don't think that's a thing that happens i was gonna say where was ginger when i was a new kid certainly didn't happen to me no i had to just like so stupid i totally forgot this was like a thing that happened but like every time i've changed schools i've literally just like walked up to the group that i thought i could be friends with found out I was not cool enough for that group and then just gradually worked my way down the cool ladder until I arrived, let's face it, at the bottom of the (laughs) ladder where people would finally not physically run away from me when I tried to hang out with them and those were my friends. (laughs) Again, that's probably the autism. I was going to say, that sounds very familiar. (laughs) But yeah, I yeah, I did not have a good time making and friends. I just I so so badly wish that at any point somebody had been like, "Hey, I know you're new here. Do you have any friends? Do you want to like come hang out and maybe we can just like, you know, get, at least give you the lowdown on what the school is like?" I would have killed for that. My best friend in elementary school and I became friends because we were both new that year and no one else would talk to us. Oh, yeah. But we ended up being really close friends and it worked out. But yeah. it was very we were both like, well, well, we're both the weird new kid. I guess we can be, be weird, weird and together. new together. <laughs> yeah. The last one, the episode 15 is Ginger joins the band to try and get closer to Sasha, her summer crush, who goes to another school. Which, like, you and I talked about this immediately. We were like, summer love dies with the fall leaves. Yeah, Greece is a lie. Summer love does not exist. When the weather drops to 50, it's over. Right, especially when you meet someone at camp. It's like, camp Camp people don't exist come September. Camp crushes stay at camp. Yeah. You guys can pick up where you left off the next, next summer. Camp, perfect. But, but during like, the year, it doesn't absolutely exist. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's just, it seems like a, a total fool's errand to me. Because, like, this exact situation happens all the time, especially when you're kids where you break up over the summer and then you do whatever the fuck you want. And then come fall, when you actually see the other person at school all the time, you're like, okay, well, I guess let's get back get together. together. But also, can we talk about how bitchy Clover is? Yeah, she's kind of terrible. And also, like, this is a nightmare 
that I still have to this day. Oh, absolutely. That I am going to be pining after a person and their ex is just like the hottest person on the planet. Like, I can't fucking compete with that. That is not what I'm bringing to the party. I am bringing communist theory and funny jokes about trauma to the party and I cannot be that hot. This is not fair. (laughs) This is not a fair fight. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in this situation and it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's it sucks real bad. But I do appreciate that Ginger like leans into the band and like, you know, finds like a silver lining to the situation. Yeah, finds a way to salvage. But can we take a minute to I feel like the whole band was just playing a prank on her the entire time about how important the triangle is. Right. They definitely this. I, I was totally expecting them to reveal that this was just a huge bit and there wasn't even a triangle part in this piece at all. They were just fucking with her. Right. Or they were like, they had created it for the other student who dropped out. And right. And it, it wasn't a real part yeah. to begin with. He just was kind of a dummy who wanted to be in the band. Yeah. <laughs> also a giant triangle. A giant, I-, I do not think that this triple grande supreme triangle is real. <laughs> I hate you. (laughs) Because it has sour cream and tomatoes. No, I know. (laughs) Now I really want Taco Bell. I know, me too. (laughs) I also wanted to talk about, I think part of the reason that dating men can be so like frustrating and is that it's so difficult because of like the patriarchy and toxic masculinity for men to like talk about their feelings and their emotions. So like, I imagine I have not dated a lot of men, but I imagine it must be incredibly frustrating to try and figure out where you stand in a relationship with a person who maybe doesn't even understand themselves, what it is they're feeling. As a very emotional person who dates men. Right. It's frustrating as hell. I was wondering, yeah. I, cause like, I find it now that I am passing a lot better. Uh People are surprised when I have so many emotions and I'm good at expressing Expressing said emotions. Yeah. Because you read as masculine and you be allowed to express your emotions. No, and like, I've had people get mad at me and like stop talking to me because I've stated like I'm really angry right now. I'm not in a good spot to talk about this. Can we come back to this later? Wow. And I've been told I can't co-regulate you. Like what? No. Regulate. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I have emotions. I am not asking you to regulate shit. I'm just asking you to treat me with some patience because I have emotions and I am a human being. I, yeah, like. That's fucked. Dude. Yeah, like I am f- become very upfront about my bipolar in my totally. dating life yeah. because I'm not great at hiding my big emotions from people and totally. I am tired of trying to. Yeah. So, like, dating men and it being interested in people who are emotionally illiterate. Is 
so frustrating. I bet. Because it's like, no, no, no. I need you to catch up because I'm playing a whole different game than you. Right. And I, I can't be your partner and your therapist and explain to you how to feel your feelings. Yeah. Like, I struggle to feel my own and I need to be able to figure that out on my own and not coach you through, through yeah. it. Yeah.